0: Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay. Uh, the last two podcasts I've been talking about Rise of the Eldrazi. And as I've only gotten up to E, I'm not yet done, so let's let's jump right in, because we have plenty to talk about. Okay, so next up is Eldrazi Conscription. So it's an enchant creature that costs eight. The enchanted creature gets plus 10, plus 10. Trample and Annihilator 2. Okay, so um, one of the things we tried to do with the Eldrazi was, for the first time, we were doing colorless. Now, obviously, there's artifacts and there's land, but this is the first time we were doing colorless spells. And so one of the things you want to do when you're doing something for the first time is hit all the bases. So we made sure to have an instant, to have a sorcery, and we wanted to make sure to have at least one aura. So this is our aura, um... And it is, uh, Brian and his team wanting to go big! So, uh, it's not just any aura, it's an Eldrazi aura! Blum, blum, blum! Plus ten, plus ten, trample, and annihilator two. Uh, it costs eight, um, but this is the kind of thing that you can actually end the game with if you can manage to get it on your creature and, and attack with it. So, um, yeah, I mean this, like I said, this is just... I know that Brian was trying hard to make sure that the Eldrazi was big, and and you had a sense of it just being big, and that was very important to him. Okay, next, Eldrazi Temple. So this was a land that tapped tapped to add one, or you could tap to add two, but only for Eldrazi spells and abilities. Um, So one of the things we had done for this set was we made use of the tribal keyword. For those that are unaware, the tribal keyword um, is something they introduced in Lorwyn, and it allowed us to put creature types onto non-creature cards. Uh, and the reason it's a card type, everyone gets confused. It seems like it's a super type, uh, but for the rule purposes, I guess it needs to be a card type. Uh, but it needs to be there. That in order to put a creature a creature subtype onto a non-creature spell, you need tribal there. Um, R&D considers tribal to be kind of a failed experiment. It, it caused a bunch of problems. The biggest problem with tribal was that you kind of had to be consistent. Like, as soon as you say this goblin-related thing is a tribe, how do you not say, you know... um, Like, once you say this is goblin-themed, okay, it's tribal goblin, well, why aren't you consistently doing that? Why is, you know, one goblin card a a tribal goblin and another goblin card not? And what we realized was we kind of had to either do it or not do it because it was bad to say, well, this... Goblin-themed enchantment is a goblin, but this other goblin-themed enchantment is not a goblin. And it caused lots of problems. And so we're like, well, either we're all in or we're all out. Uh, so we cons- we considered going all in. Uh, and the problem was what we realized was we're adding a lot of words for cards that wouldn't matter the vast majority of the time. Most tribal things that care tend to care about creatures. And so there's a limited number of things that actually apply to non-creatures. You know, most of our tribal effects are creature-based. So... In the end, we decided it wasn't worth it. I mean, obviously, we did here. Um, this was our last kind of flourish using the tribal tribal keyword. Or tribal... Uh, not keyword. Tribal the type. Um, but it's... Anyway. Uh, the one thing about the tribal type is it did... This is one of the few examples of a card where it did help. This allowed you to have spells other than your creatures be able to play the, the mana for them. So, anyway... Um, not, like I said, this is a card where uh, it's one of the few examples where it, it made a lot of sense, but unfortunately there weren't enough cards like Eldrazi, uh, Eldrazi Temple Land. Next, cool the Aeon's Torn. Okay. He costs 15 mana, uh, and he is a 15-15 legendary creature, Eldrazi. He is one of the three titans. So for those that are unaware in the story, um, there are three the Eldrazi basically are three Titans and then they make a lot of spawn. They have drones and things that are all extensions of them. Um but there's three main titans and, and they're the, the big bad guys and they all they all show up in the set um as giant colorless creatures. And of all of them, the biggest, the baddest, is Emrakul at fifteen fifteen. Um and it costs fifteen mana. So he is he is He's big and bad. So he has a couple abilities. First of all, all the Titans have a when-you-cast-me ability. His is Time Walk. You get an extra turn when you cast him. He also has a can't-be-countered. One of the reasons we did the cast triggers in general and why the, ca- the can't-be-counters on the biggest one was we were really afraid of counter spells just... Like, you finally get there. You build it up. You have all your spawn. Okay, finally, my giant thing. And it goes, counter. You know. And so we decided on the big one we'd make... Um, can't be countered, and then the other two, are, on all three of them, there is a, a cast trigger, which says that no matter what, even if you get countered, you still get the cast thing. It's not ETB. It's not enter the battlefield. It's when you cast it, you get the ability. So, uh, in addition, Emrakul has Flying, um, Protection from Colored Spells, Annihilator 6. Uh, and then he has the ability that every, um, all the Titans have, is if he ever gets to your graveyard from anywhere, anyhow, he gets shuffled into your library. Um and that, it's funny, that card, that, that, that's caused a little bit of frustration with people who like to mill. Because if you have a single one of these in your deck, it's very, very hard to mill somebody out. Because whenever it gets into the graveyard, it goes back. Um, and so, I, I know there's some people that got frustrated. So one of the things we do when we have giant creatures is we have to be careful that when we make giant things, that we don't uh, enable some crazy, like I, I reanimate it and then you know, I'm, I'm not paying the full amount because we have reanimation spells, and so we have to be extra careful that really, really big things are not easily put in the graveyard, um, and so we, we do different things. This The, the shuffle in was, was the take for the Eldrazi. Um, so also his abilities, obviously he's flying, he's big, um, and he Annihilator 6, which is the biggest Annihilator. Uh, the other ability is protection from colored spells. Um, so one of the things we played up with, part of their ancientness is that they predate color, and so... They are colorless. Some of their drones and things are colored, but they themselves and most of the major, the large ones, are all colorless. And so there definitely is a little bit of a flavor of uh, dislike of colored things. That it's it's not the old way, and, you know. So they he, he's hard to affect. Um, and the idea, by the way, for fifteen mana. If you spend fifteen mana, get out your fifteen fifteen. They can't counter it. They can't easily terror it. You know, it should be a problem because uh, you spend fifteen mana. When you spend fifteen mana, you can have something that's. That is not an easy problem to deal with. Okay, next. Emerald Cool's Hatcher. 4R for 3-3. Um, and it's a 3-3 Eldrazi drone. And when it enters the battlefield, you make 3 spawn. Um, this was this was a very popular card. Like I said, one of the things you'll notice is the spawn took on a life of their own in that they, they had so much inter- interesting interaction. Uh, I want to stress again, like, from last time, I talked about how the original were mana crystals, or two times ago, they were mana crystals and the by necessity they end up getting changed to zero-one one creatures that could sack for a mana and it's funny how much better than being creatures was. How much just the number of different ways you can interact with the spawn it's just it's almost mind-boggling how cool the spawn were and the amount of different ways you can use them. Uh, and this is a good example of a card where so this uh, in alpha there's a card called Hill Giant 3-3 three, three and a red for 3-3 three, three. you know, vanilla. Um and the Hill Giant is definitely one of those creatures that we keep coming back to where, where we are allowed to make slightly better than the Hill Giant. Uh, and this is a good example of uh, slightly better than the Hill Giant. Well, it's not technically better. It's 4R, not 3R. But um, you do get 3 mana. So for your extra mana, you get 3 permanent mana you can trade in. So, uh, Or, I mean, 3 mana to spend later. Okay, next. Forked Bolt. It's a sorcery for R, and you get to deal 2 damage divided any way you want. So some people might recognize this spell. You might know it as Fire from Fire and Ice, the split card from Apocalypse. Um, So there's been a big discussion about whether or not we could take a card from a split card and just print that card. Could this card just have been Fire? Uh, And there was a lot of discussion about that. We haven't officially gotten to a a decision, although the fact that we did not make this card Fire says to me that eh, we're leaning toward not doing that, although... Technically, I think it might be possible. Um, that, that really hasn't been ever figured out. Uh, but anyway, the reason this was a good spell was that we are trying hard. We are trying hard to give a lot of answers to cheap small things, so you could build up to a later a later game. And so there are a lot of answers to the to small early problems. Um, in addition, like I said. Uh, there, there are a bunch of things that start small and get bigger, and this is also answers to those things, and that one of the things, for example, about level-up creatures is sometimes you would, if you got them a little later, you would wait such that you could play them and upgrade them in the same turn. Notice that Fork Bolt is a sorcery, meaning that it, um... Well, actually, was Fire a sorcery? Fire might not have been a sorcery, so maybe this technically couldn't be Fire. Um, I think Fire was an instant. Uh... I'm pretty sure ice wasn't it. So yeah, okay. So this is not technically fire, but um, the the reason this was a sorcerer, this is important, is we wanted you the ability to be able to upgrade stuff, you know, without them responding to it. So you could, if you wait later in the game, you could play your level up creature and level it up before they had ability to get rid of it. Um, and there's a little bit of instant kill, but not, not tons. Next, Gelatinous Genesis, X X G Sorcery. Put X green ooze tokens on the battlefield. So those longtime listeners, readers, uh, you know I'm a big fan of oozes. I'm a big fan. Of, I, I love oozes. In fact, I believe it's my, my master plan is to make the most awesome ooze deck over the course of my career by making, by, by constantly making really cool, weird Johnny Ooze cards. This is one of them. Uh, and so this is using X to the... A uh, lot of Xs on this card. So it's XXG, which means that for every—you uh, spend one green mana, and for every two you spend, you get to upgrade how many creatures you get and how big they are. So, for example, if I spend three mana, so a one, a one, and a green, I would get one, one, one. For 4G, I get two, two, twos. For 6G, I get three, three, threes. For 8G, I get four, four, fours. So, the neat thing about this is it grows um, exponentially. It's not the correct word, but it, it grows it, it jumps up. Actually, is it? Extra? I'm not the math guy. Uh, it, but it, it does g- g- go greatly. For each two mana, you are you are getting one more creature, and your creatures are all getting bigger. And so, as you spend more mana, it starts getting more and more potent. And it plays really, really nicely. Like this is the kind of card that you could play in a green deck using Spawn, in which maybe the answer is not necessarily. You know, maybe you're trying to get out Emrakul or one of the big uh, Eldrazi. But this spell also. Hey, you know what? If I have, for example, if I have 15 mana, let's say I don't draw Amical, but I draw this, but I have my 15 mana, for 15 mana, you can make 7 7 sevens. Now, not a 15-15 flyer, can't be countered, time walk, uh, production from color, you know, Annihilator 6, but 7 7 sevens would do a lot of damage, so. Okay, next, Gideon Jura. So this is, I think, the introduction of Gideon. One of our, one of our regular planeswalkers. Um, Gideon is, is, so Gideon, um, is 3 WW, uh, loyalty 6, uh, he has three abilities, as most planeswalkers. So for plus two, uh, creatures can't attack Gideon on his next turn. For minus two, you destroy target tapped creature. And for zero, Gideon becomes a 6-6 human soldier and you prevent all damage. Okay, so let's walk through these one at a time. So the first ability, his plus ability, um, so the important thing about a plus ability is it's really helpful if the plus ability can in some way protect the planeswalker so that you can you can build up to try to get toward the ultimate. Now, Gideon is interesting in that Gideon does not have a normal ultimate. Um, he only has, in fact, his ultimate is a zero, right? His ultimate you can do any time. Um, so he's not a, in fact, I think both planeswalkers in the set are not your normal they both are quirky. And not only is he quirky in that he doesn't have an ultimate, his zero is very quirky, that he turns into a creature. So we'll, we'll get there in a second. So first ability, the plus ability protect you. That's a very good thing to have as a plus ability. Second is that he gets to destroy tap things. Um, is this is something White does from time to time. It's not something I'm a huge fan of White doing, but here the idea essentially is that he can stop you from attacking. He can punish you if you have attacks I and mean, you're not vigilant. Um, and then... The, the big ability, the ability that really has come to define him, and you see this on other Gideon Planeswalkers, um, is that he um, comes to life. That he, well, I mean, he's, he, he gets in the battle. He fights, you know. That he is somebody who um, really gets in there and, uh, you know, he... One of his shticks as a planeswalker is he's also a soldier. That he doesn't just stand back and throw spells. He gets in and fights. He's a fighter. That that's one of his identities as a planeswalker. In fact, that's his core identity as far as... One of the things we try to do is we have um, a file where we're tracking the planeswalkers and say, oh, well, what do the planeswalkers do? What what flavor-wise do they do? What mechanically do they do? And so Gideon has definitely become the guy who gets in the fight. That he's a planeswalker that doesn't sit back. Um... And so, you know, it's sort of fun that he gets in, he can fight, and um, which allows you to do some stuff that you don't normally get to do with the Planeswalker, which is sort of cool. And it gives him a strong identity. I, I definitely like Gideon. Okay, Gigantomancer, seven G, one one Human Shaman, one colon target creature you control becomes a seven seven till end of turn. Um, so, one of the things we were trying to do is uh, this set has a lot of giant monsters. Uh, a lot of them you cast directly, but this one makes giant monsters. Uh, and, once again, it also plays well with spawn. Uh, it can turn your 0-1 spawn into a 7-7, or actually turn any creature into a 7-7. Um, this is a lot of fun. Um, this is definitely, uh, uh, I mean, not that John, your spike, can't have some appreciation, but this is a Timmy card, because you know what's awesome? Making your creature into a 7-7. You know what's more awesome? Making all your creatures into seven sevens pretty cool. So, um, this is a fun card. It's definitely one of those kind of cards. So sometimes, when we're making rare cards, we just make an overtop the card and then go, "Okay, can we do this?" And then I always have this is one of the cards we made. I mean, that is a joke. We meant it, but it's sort of like, oh, "Okay, can we do this?" And then you know, we talk to the development, and they're like, "Okay, how about a seven 7 Like, you know, because we're like, "Oh, it's a, does that have to be a five 5 Or something? you know, and um, sometimes we always go to development because we're not sure because we. we Design sometimes is a little hesitant, going, okay, how... And development's like, oh, it could be like a 7-7. Seven, seven, you know, how much does it cost? Eight mana? Yeah, it can make 7-7. Seven, seven. So. Okay, next, Glory Seeker 1W, Human Soldier 2-2. I bring Glory Seeker up because we do this all the time. This is, uh, I mean, Alpha had Grizzly Bear and had, uh, well, probably Unicorn was 2-W. But eventually we said, okay, white, white and green can just have 1C-2-2. In fact, black now gets 1C-2-2 as well from time to time. Um, and, so basically, it's just, it's a vanilla creature. You know, we like having vanilla creatures. And in most sets, if you're playing white, yeah, you could throw it in your deck. You know, it's not your first pick, it's not an early pick, but it's, it usually can get in there. Um, white's pretty aggressive. It wants cheap drops, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a two power, two drops. It's nothing special, but it's playable. And in this environment, it is not playable. It is actually a bad card in this environment. And that's one of the things I talk about. Um, how it really made a schism in the audience. Um, if you are a, a, a not real experienced player, you've kind of learned over the years that you know what you can play. You can play this card, two mana, you know, one W two two, good enough. Especially in a white deck that tends to be small and aggressive. Like, okay, I mean, it's it's it, it's it's fair. Uh, and you got in this environment, and it wasn't fair. It was bad. It was bad. And um, a lot of people would play these kind of cards. And we, we end up calling them traps. Uh, and one of the things we... we the, one of the things Rise of Drive made is very careful about is, is what... And when I say trap, I don't mean the... I don't mean the Zendikar version of trap. Uh, what I mean is we have to be careful to make something that the less experienced player thinks is fine and then ends up make Because it's bad that they end up doing poorly because they're just playing the wrong card. And a little of that is okay. I'm, I'm not saying inexperienced players shouldn't ever play the wrong cards. They can, and they should, and they do. Um... But we have to be careful not to lead them down this path where they think they're doing the right thing. In fact, they're doing the absolute wrong thing. Uh, and Rise of Drizzy had a lot of traps. There are a lot of things... Um, now, now, this is not... The, the more perfect example of a trap, this is not exactly perfect, is a card that seems on its surface to a beginning player really good, and it's not. This card was just kind of card that they had learned over the time that they should play in, in, in this environment. It usually wasn't that good. Okay, we get to Goblin Tunneler one of the MVPs, for my mind, in the limited in the set. So, um, one of the ideas of the Goblin Tunneler was that there's some strategies of making big guys. But, you know, one of the problems is it's very easy in this environment to build... Uh, to, part of making Battlecruiser Magic was allowing people to solidify the ground. And so it's very, very easy to get in a stalemate where they got a lot of things in the ground and you're like, oh, I can't attack. And so Goblin... Um, Tunneler, which, by the way, is just Dwarven Warrior, for those that don't know. Um, oh, it might be one cheaper. I think Dwarven Warrior was 2R. So, yeah. So, in Alpha, there's a card called Dwarven Warrior. The flavor was, he's a dwarf. Dwarves love to tunnel. He will tunnel. He'll like tunnels for you, but only your small creatures can fit through the tunnels. Um, and we decided to... It was one too expensive. We decided to bring it back. And we're like, well, let's just make it a goblin. Um, we, we have an odd history with dwarves over the years. Um, hopefully that will turn around soon. But... Uh, the goblins became sort of our go-to red creatures, and dwarves, we just used less. And so, like, oh, making this a goblin, it's just there's more goblin interactions, and not in this set particularly, but overall in Magic. There's just more people playing Goblin Tribal. And so, anyway, we decided to make it a goblin, plus there might have, I'm not even sure there were dwarves in this world. Um, and then we made it one cheaper, because we it, it, it realized it could be one cheaper. Didn't it be 2R? It could be 1R. Um, and this card allows you to get through with stuff. And there's a bunch of... I'll, I'll talk about some other cards today it combos with, but... Um, there are a bunch of cards of combo, there are a bunch of, I talked about last time, a few cards where you could get this, make it on black blood, then make it bigger. Um, uh, anyway, I, Goblin Hunter was part of the deck that I loved after, I talked about that last time. Next, Hand of Cool. It's a, 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 nine, um, nine mana, seven, seven Eldrazi, um, and you can sac four spawn to play it. And he had Annihilator one. So, um... Instead of, of spending 9 mana, you could sac 4 spawn. So it allowed you... This is definitely one of those cards that said, Oh, I have enough spawn? Oh, this is going in. Because it allowed you to get out a 7-7 seven, seven for... Essentially for 4 mana. Because um, you, you would normally sac a spawn for 1. So this allowed you to save a lot of mana to get this out. And so this definitely was one of the... Um, I mean, you didn't necessarily need to play Spawn to play Eldrazi, but this was a particular one that said, okay, well, if you're playing Spawn, if you're dedicated to a Spawn strategy, here's an Eldrazi perfectly suited for you. Um, And this card was a lot of fun. I I, I like Hand of Emerald. Gold. Next, Heat Ray, XR Instant, deal X to target creature. Ah, Heat Ray. So one of the things is we have a customer service now called Game Support, and they get questions on the phone. And so one of the things that we learn about what causes confusion is we ask them, well, when people are confused, what do they call in about? Well, one of the things that causes the most confusion is X spells. In fact, if you remember from Unglued, I made a card called The Ultimate ultimate Nightmare of Wizard Coast Customer Service. Uh, If you notice, that card was XYZR. Because um, the joke was X-Spells was causing the most calls. So I'm like, well, let me add a few more variables. That's why it was the ultimate nightmare of Wizard Coast customer Service. Um, so I'm, I like X-Spells. I believe X-Spells have their time and their place. As far as I'm concerned, that place isn't common because it causes lots of confusion. Uh, there are a lot of fights about this card because this card is the common card. Uh, it was a perfect, perfect fit for this set. We were trying to have burn, but not punish the giant Eldrazi. And this is the kind of card where it's like, well, in order to deal with the giant Eldrazi, I need to have a lot of mana myself. And so He did a good job of dealing with small things easily. And late game allowing you to deal with big things, but giving you time to let them build it up. So anyway, sorry. Anyway, it, it, it fit perfectly. I was outvoted. Um... We, if you ever see a, an x belt common, though, you'll know that I got outvoted because I, I really, really do not like X-Felt at common. Uh, I like them at uncommon. I'm even willing to have the occasional XX belt at rare. I just talked about one. But uh, variables confuse people. It, it's, it literally is one of the number one things that confuse people. So I like them just, in, 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 in especially with New World Order, uh, I would like them not a common. Um, okay, next. Hedron Matrix. It's an artifact equipment for four. For four. Equipped creature gets plus X plus X where X is just to mana cost and equipped to four. Um, this is more, I mean, once again, you'll see a lot of this team walking through the set where, Sorry, I had hiccups. Like okay, I'm going to drink some water to try to get rid of these hiccups because you don't have to hear me hiccup for the whole whole car ride. Okay. Let's hope I get rid of my hiccups. We'll see. Um... So this is another card, another spell that definitely played into the idea of um, I want to scale based on size. And so this card is okay on a smaller thing. You know, it can make a 2-2, a two, two, plus 2, plus 2. It can make a 4-4, four, four, plus 4, plus 4. Oh, but it makes a 15, plus 15, plus... 15. Okay, I don't know if Emrakul needs to be 30-30, but there's the dream. Uh, and, and we were just trying to definitely... Um, um, we were trying to... Um, make things that, that would allow you to sort of thematically build up your things. And not just build up Eldrazi, but you can build up your, your allies as well. Hell Carver Demon. Three, black, 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 six, six Demon. i have talking like a demon. Flying. And when you don't combat damage, you have to sack all your permanents and discard your hand, and then exile the top six cards of your library, and you can play them for free. Um, Hellcarver Demon is quite the card um, for starters it matches our little ongoing 666 demon theme it has a 6 mana cost uh, six for, it's, mana cost is a converted mana cost of 6 it's a 6-6 demon, it reveals 6 cards up top of your library uh, it's a demons, the, the, the sign of the beast, 666 so we love having 6s in our, our demons um, so it has a lot of black so this is a dangerous card In that uh, it is high risk, high reward. Because all sorts of things can happen. You know, crazy powerful things can happen, but I can get hosed too. Because I lose everything to play. I play it, and then when I attack, I'm losing everything. I'm getting new things, but I don't know what my new things are. And so, um, but it's definitely the kind of card that once you commit, you commit. Uh, And it's like, okay, what's going to happen now? And it is a fun card. One of the things I talk a lot about is uh, how variance creates fun. Um, And a lot of people, when you talk about uh, any kind of variance, people get, especially if you're a more serious game player, you you know, you get a little word like, no, 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 I I like having control. I don't like things out of my control. Um, But there is just an excitement of not knowing what's going to happen. Like, this is one of those cards that makes stories. Like, one of the things I love is we love making cards where you're like, I have to tell you about what just happened to me. And in order for it to be a story, in order for it to be something interesting, well, for starters... You don't always need variance, but variance really helps. Because when you play this card, who knows what's going to happen? All sorts of crazy things could happen. And you don't know when you play it. Um, and I definitely... It's a kind of card where it's good enough that even in, in you know, high-level tournaments, there are people playing this card because it is a 6-6 six, six flying creature. Like, if nothing else, I just get to hit you in the air for 6 every turn. And all sorts of crazy things can happen. So... Um, you know, it's risky, because it, it, it can turn out badly for you, but there, there's a lot of upside and a lot of cool things that can happen. So, I'm a big fan of the, of the Hellcarver Demon. Hellion Eruption. Uh, sorcery for five red. Sacrifice all your creatures and make that many 4-4 Hellions. Um, this is another card that you upgrade. I mean, once again, another spawn card. You'll notice we have lots of cards playing nicely with spawn. Spawn really, in some way, was the heart of the set. There's just so much stuff that interacted with them. Um... And this card was just fun. It just sort of upgrade everything to a 4-4. Obviously, you don't play this in a deck where you have giant things. You play this in a deck where you get out your little things and can upgrade them. Um, and it was fun. This was definitely a fun card. It was fun to sort of get out some things. Like I said, there's a bunch of different decks uh, which can build in different ways. And this was a deck that went in something that was doing some smaller stuff, but had a means to help you explode. Induce Despair, to be Instant. Uh, you get an additional cost by this card, or not an additional cost, but when you play this card, reveal a creature card for your hand, target creature gets minus X, minus X, where X is the converted mana of cost of the revealed card. So one of the problems we had is we gave you some giant cards. Well, these giant cards are hard to get out. And so one of the things that uh, I know Brian and his team tried to do was make some utility of having giant cards in your hand, even if you never get the giant card out. You know, just so that, oh, look, I have Emrakul, I drew Emrakul, what if I never get to 15 mana? Well... For B, I get a creature minus 15, minus 15. So, you know, this is one of those cards that sort of said, okay, there's some functionality beyond just playing them. Inquisition of co Sorcery for B. Um, opponent reveals their hand, and you get rid of any non-land that costs three or less. Converted mana costs three or less. Um, yeah, it's funny. There's a lot of converted mana cost matters in the set because when you're talking about size... Uh, Brian, by the way, also made Saviors of Kamigawa. Uh, so you might know that... Brian likes large, expensive things and likes messing with current mana cost, which kind of goes hand in hand with messing with large, expensive things. So, you uh, want to sort of market the things that Brian as a designer really loves. Brian likes to go large. Um, anyway, this card was another card that was sort of um, meant to stop early answers but not stop the big answers. It's sort of like, I can take your small thing, but I can't take your Titan. Um, and this card went on to be a pretty good card. Dragon Dragonlord. RR for Human Warrior. He's a 2-2 with level up R. Uh, at levels, uh, it level, like he levels up 4R. Uh, at 4 to 7th level, he's a flying 4-4. Four, four. At 8 plus level, he's a flying trample 8-8. Eight, eight. So I said something last time. Each time I'm going to correct something. So this is how complex level up is. Each time I talk about level up, and each time I get something wrong, and the next show I have to say, oh, I got it wrong. So last time I was thinking that whatever you had of a lower thing, you had of a next level up. But the flying that this is flying and flying trample reminds me that must not be true. Because if you got it, um, or it's possible that you do get it, but we thought you'd be confused. I'm trying to remember. Um, I know you only have level up the first one, so maybe you do have the whole time. But I, there is confusion about when I go up levels, do I keep the things before it? I guess you must because you have the level up. But I think the reason we put flying and flying trample was so you. so in, c- in case you were not sure whether you got uh, flying, you did. Okay, so this card, the problem with this card is Brian really wanted to level up dragon. But it makes no sense to have a tiny dragon. So Brian decided what he would do is he'd make a dragon rider. And at the beginning, he doesn't have his dragon, but if he level up, he gets his dragon. And once he gets to level four, he gets his dragon. And then level eight, uh, his his dragon, you know, uh, grows up. He gets a bigger dragon. Um, There's a lot of um, fights over this card. Uh, creative is not real fond of cards that sometimes fly and sometimes don't, and the idea is we wanted to show, we wanted to show a big dragon. Like you're not going to make a dragon card and not show the dragon. But it's a little weirder than that. At the lowest level, he doesn't fly because normally when we show you things fly, they fly. Well, clearly it's a giant dragon that flies. Oh, but he doesn't right here. Then the other thing that was weird is. Like, well, what's representing here? Like, well, it's it's the guy. So the guy... I mean, obviously, when he gets bigger, you have to be counting the dragon. But the card is not a dragon. Anyway, creatively, Bre- Brian really, really, really wanted a level-up dragon. And he fought hard for it, and he got it. Which, by the way, one of the lessons of this, this series of podcasts is... Uh, I miss Brian. Uh, Brian would fight for things like nobody I've ever seen. Brian was a very... Um, Brian was passionate, and if Brian wanted something, he would fight hard for it. And, and there's a lot of things like the dragon where, uh, he managed to get it. Uh, so, Brian wanted to level up dragon, and he fought hard. And, creatively, it has all sorts of issues. It is, it, it is a messy card creatively. Um, I mean, it looks pretty, but does it fly, and, you know, what does it represent? And, it, it is definitely a little on, on the wonky side. But, uh, on the plus side, if you, if you like dragons, and you like leveling up, well, you get your level up dragon. Okay, next, Keening Stones. Okay, if level up dragon is brine written all over it, Keening Stone, I, I think this, this so seems like my card. I'm pretty sure I made this card. So Keening Stone is an artifact for six where five and tap, you mill X where X is the size of your opponent's graveyard. Uh, and so the idea is I mill a few cards. Well, now your graveyard's bigger. Well, now I mill even more cards. So essentially what it is, is it's a millstone that kind of doubles every turn. So I love milling. I love doubling. So I'm pretty sure this is my card. I mean, maybe if it's not, I apologize. Uh, it's the kind of card I've made, and I kind of vaguely—I um, was on the development team, not the design team—but I believe I put—I made this in a hole. I think This card is me written all over it, so I'm pretty sure I did this card. Um, so one of the people asked me, by the way, is they're like, "How do you not know the cards you made?" And I'm like, "Okay, people, I've made thousands, thousands of printed cards, thousands of printed cards, and I've made probably tens of thousands, if not." 100,000-plus cards that just haven't necessarily made it to print. Um, And sometimes I'll make a card and it later gets to print, but I didn't make the card. Like, um... Beastial Menace was the first card where I made Cone of Creatures, and then Kelly Diggs, many years later, makes it. But it wasn't me that made it. Kelly Diggs made it. But I made a card many years earlier that was that card, you know? And so... Uh, it is hard for me to remember. I, 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 my memory, and by the way, you listen to my podcast, I can't remember the name of Dark Confidant. Oh, by the way, last time it was Dark Confidant. Uh, that's another one I walk out of the car I'm like, ah, Dark Confidant! How did I forget Dark Confidant? Somehow when you to try and remember I, I, I'd be bad on a game show. Although, a little trivia, I was once on a game show. Uh, Trivial Pursuit of the Game Show with Martindale. Okay. Now people are going to try to find that on YouTube, which I don't think it is. Okay, next, Co- Colony Hydra. Colony Hydra cost... Green, 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 green. That's eight green mana for a eight, eight Hydra. And it costs one green less for every green creature you had. Uh, So this is a card that just went a slightly different direction. Uh, I mean, it was a giant creature that was made for the set. It really was made for casual constructor where you can have a lot of green creatures. Um, But anyway, this card was fun. And uh, who doesn't love an eight, eight for eight mana, even if they're all green? Um, And then... I love Hydra. So, th- this is one of our early Hydra. So, um, this is... We had not yet really adopted Hydra as being the green iconic. Um, I think this was here just because we, we, we came up with something cool. Maybe this was one of the early... Not just a maybe green could be Hydra. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Hydra originally was in red and eventually, uh, creative realized that, that Hydra kind of got stuck in the wrong place. It had been in... Um, it was a rock hydrant, rocks were red, so it got put in red and alpha for a couple of reasons, but when you talk about a creature that's all about growing, uh, and green is like about, you know, wildness and growth, that hydras were just a perfect fit. So we, we made that. Okay, I'm almost to work, but I'm not there yet! and Fiend, 1R1, 2 Elemental Beast. When you cast an instant resource, it gets plus 3 plus 0 until end of turn. Remember, I said there were cards that comboed with Goblin Tunneler. Here's one of those cards. Um, in fact, one of my favorite things to do in that deck is you get Killin Fiend out, you get um, the rebound that gives plus one plus O, oh, and, um, and uh, plus one plus O oh, and can't be blocked. And you could use that on this guy, so that makes him uh, a five power creature that can't be blocked, uh, and it goes for two turns. Or you can put um, Goblin Tunneler on him. Uh, and then you make them small and then cast some other kind of instant and make them bigger. But there's all sorts of fun ways to do it. And this definitely was part of the deck I talked about um, that really made you sort of sneak things through and do things a little differently. I, you know, I, I like this card. Um, okay, final card for the day is Core Spirit Dancer. So 1w02 um, at the Core Wizard. So you got plus, oh, plus 2, plus 2 for each aura that... Um, yeah, I almost... Trying to park my car, and a card just went right behind me. which was what the ooh was about. Um, so it was a zero two, got plus two plus two for each aura on it, and you got to draw a card whenever you cast an aura. So this card was kind of a cross between um, an enchantress and a uh, rabid wombat, uh, and definitely the, the the core. Normally, the core care all about. Um, they cared about equipment. But in this set, Brian made them care about auras. And so it's like, well, they like beefing themselves up. This is more aura-based than equipment-based. So uh, the Cross-Spirit Dancer was just there to go, okay, go to town, here's some auras, and there's totem armors and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, and definitely was made so, sort of a, a Build Around the aura card to do fun stuff with auras. Okay, well, I stop. Next time, I can see my list. Next time, I'll talk about Kosilek, Butcher of Truth. But anyway, I'm now at work, and oh, I got a little extra, a little extra time today. and some traffic, um, but anyway, it was fun talking about Rhizodrazi, But as much as I love talking about Rhizodrazi and making magic, uh, and that, yeah, I messed up my thing. As much as I like talking about magic, even more, I like making magic. So it's time for me to go. I'll be back next time. I only got up to K, so we got a bit more to talk about. But I hope you're enjoying the Rhizodrazi, and I'll talk to you soon.